This morning I want us to think about quests. And uh, there are many quests in life, and uh, we could name a few of them, I am sure. But a quest is something that we, we usually think of it as something that we want to uh, achieve, we, we want to do, right? Uh, let me just begin. Uh, one of the first quests in our life is to learn how to eat. And for those children whose mothers breastfeed them, it's not an easy thing just for them to learn. I know it's natural, but that's a process of learning. And then you, you go on to uh, thinking about them learning to walk, learning to talk. You know, what are some of the first words? I have one grandmother that I called Dee Dee all of my life. That's... That's what I interpreted <laughs> hearing my, grand, my parents say, or my mother at the time. And uh, so there's a quest of learning all of these things as children and as we grow older, some of the quests become what we wanna do with our lives. To uh, become a housewife. Girls have played dolls all their lives and they, they are nurturing by nature so they wanna become a mother, they wanna have kids. And uh, so this becomes a quest. Some guys wanna become a, a fireman or a policeman. Some uh, love to build, using their hands, mechanics, lawyers, and so on. There are so many different kinds of things that become quests of what we want to do. Well, this morning, I want you and I to think about a quest that is not something we do, but it's something we are, who we are. And we, can, we have thought about, I know I talked a lot about in my ministry here, and I think about it all the time in my own life. I want to be like Jesus. And so I want us to think together about that. I asked my oldest grandson, and I was going over to pick up his twin sister with him, and we had an hour and a half drive, so we had quite a conversation. And I said to him, you know, what is the most important quest in the spiritual life? And he said, having a relationship with Jesus. I wasn't sure what I would get for an answer, but I thought that was a pretty good answer. I like that. And I think that that fits right in with the topic of our message. One of the things that, that, uh, that I'm thinking about, and this kind of highlights some of what I would like to share in this, is just the fact that our son called us one day and he, he told us that his oldest son, he was not behaving. And so dad took him to his bedroom and he was about to apply the board of understanding, wait a minute, the board of education to the seat of understanding. And his son looks up at him and he says, dad, dad. You know, the only one who can help me is Jesus. <laughs> Expecting that his dad would not give him a spanking. 
Well, his dad followed through with the procedure, but he had a lot of truth in what he was saying. And his dad knew it, and he tried to use that and talk to him about that. The fact is that, yes, his oldest grandson, this one isn't too much further behind, they had some truth, and a part of what we need to understand, though, is what is important in life. This passage of scripture that Juanita brought to our attention, Matthew chapter six, Jesus is dealing with the crowds there who have their eyes fixed on things that are perishable, things of this life, like food and clothes and money to provide for those things and to sustain themselves and their family in this world. But he's trying to help them to say that there's something more important. And I think that my grandsons have kind of have a handle on this, that it's a relationship that we need to have with God. And we need God's help. I can't do it alone. We need each other's help because we are in this together and we help each other in this process of developing relationship with God because it goes beyond that. It's relationships with one another. So why is having a relationship with God so important? Well, think about God. Who is God? How has he presented himself to us? God the Father, the, the Son, and all right, three different persons. They're all God. They're one. There's unity in the Trinity. There's fellowship within the Trinity, within the Godhead itself. And God wanted to create man. And the purpose of that was that he could have fellowship, he could have a relationship with his creation. Could be communication between the two of them and they could work together. So it is important from God's side that we have a relationship with him. But what about our side? Well, it's important to me because I know that uh, there has been a nature that, has, that is a part of me or has been in my life that wants what I want. It's a, a selfish side of me. And God cleansed me of that nature at a point on my spiritual journey but it has been a process of years of working that out so that my arms would understand, if you will, my body, my psyche, my spiritual life, my heart. And so there, is, there are different kinds of things that happen each day in which I am learning and applying God's word. And I am grateful for the journey. I'm grateful for God's guidance and work in my life. So the quest is this relationship with God that uh, we read about, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. 
and he will give you everything you need. Now that's from the New Living Translation. But it's seeking the kingdom of God and living righteously. I was thinking about this. So what happened to the human human race? Going back and thinking about what happened before Jesus came. Way back in the beginning, the Lord created Adam, and then out of Adam, he created Eve. They were placed in the garden, a beautiful place, and God met with them. He had a relationship with them, and he told them that they were there to work the ground, and all of the fruit there was for their needs except just one. He said, To Adam, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Well, it wasn't long as they enjoyed much of the fruit. One day, looking at this tree of knowledge, a serpent comes along. It was Satan, disguised in uh, serpent's clothing, if you will. And... uh, And they knew what God had said, but he raised this question. Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And he went on to say, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The enemy, Satan, is the master of deception, and he lies. Right here in the beginning of the creation of the first human being in the face of this earth, Satan was doing his work and trying to deceive and lying. Well, he gave a half-truth there at least. (laughs) He will not die physically. God was talking about a spiritual death which was different. Well, the woman was convinced, as you know, and she wanted to eat it, and she did, and she gave some to her husband, and he ate. And that began the process of sin, of disobedience against God, and suddenly they felt shame for their nakedness, and they clothed themselves with leaves. So when When they were tempted by the enemy, what I want us to note here in this is that their desire to eat of that fruit, their desire to have the knowledge of God and to be like God became more important in their lives than what God had said to them. Do you and I ever have moments in which we're feeling very strongly about doing something? Something that we have read in scripture that God has said that we should not participate in, that we should not do, or that we should do and we're feeling or we say something to somebody or do what this little princess did to her father and and so on. Well, 
that is a human condition that has been passed on now since Adam and Eve. It is a sinful, selfish nature. That has been a problem that we have faced because just our general makeup is that we want our own way. We have nine grandkids, and we have been with all nine of them this year. They are good kids. They're great kids. We love every one of them. But there are moments when each one of them wants his or her way. They want to watch a TV program. They want to do something that uh, nobody else wants to do. And, you know, we're families and we do things together. But you can see in their lives as good a kids as they are and all that they know about Scripture, all that their parents have taught them and their Sunday school teachers and so forth, there is still that nature in their hearts that they want to do what they want to do. And the older we get, the stronger that inclination and will is to have our own way unless, unless God helps us. Amen? There's a, a person in the Bible, a very significant person. His name was David. A man who has... Uh, to many, well, the scripture even says that he has a man or has a heart after God's own heart. In the early references to David as a boy, he was a shepherd, and he, you can just picture him out there with his sheep, lonely places, caring for them, nurturing them, saving them from a bear or a lion's grasp, and, uh, and then going on to the story of him and Goliath, I mean, it's pretty incredible the kind of person that he was and how God had been working in his life to accomplish these things. But then David became king over all of Israel. He was that sovereign, that king, like the story as Jones shared today. He had the power and he felt that and he could do whatever he wanted and sometimes when you have all that power, you think too highly of yourself, like nobody is going to make you accountable for it. Well, one day when David was looking out, he saw a beautiful woman, and he was tempted. It was the same process, and we, there's a parallel between his situation and what Adam and Eve faced in the garden. Essentially, God said, don't touch But he was tempted, and he was all-powerful. You know, he was uh, the sovereign of that nation, and so he just had somebody go get her, bring her there. Well, David uh, was feeling okay about it until a prophet called Nathan came and told him a story about this very wealthy man who had a very poor man living in his, his land, and the poor man only had one sheep who was just a part of the family. And this wealthy man had many, many flocks of sheep. Well, the king had some guest come. And so instead of taking one of his sheep, he went and had somebody go get that one little sheep and bring it in and prepare it for the feast. When David heard that, 
He was angry. What a horrible thing to do. But then he realized it was a message from God talking about him. He had taken somebody else's little lamb. Listen, listen to what he says. Psalm 51, have mercy on me. When he was convicted of his sins and recognized, acknowledged to himself that he had sinned against God and against this woman and against her husband and against the nation and everything that Israel stood for, he cried out, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Think of the parallel with this little story, the king telling that girl, I'll always love you. Well, David felt that. He felt God's love in spite of his disobedience and his sin. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from all my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Are we any different? Are we any different than David? No, we're not. We, too, have been born sinners. We've inherited that nature of Adam and Eve. Sinful, selfish nature, as David did, and all of us. And we are talking about a quest that is trying, that is seeking God kingdom, seeking his sovereign rule in the lives, in our lives, in my heart, about everything, everything I am and do every day. Because when he is sovereign, his word dictates my attitudes and my actions, my thoughts, my understandings. It makes a difference. And over the years, as you continue to read it, every time you read it, the Spirit of God can give you a deeper understanding of his love. I love that passage in Ephesians where Praise for this church. Praise that the depth of their understanding or the, yeah, that their understanding will be such that they will grasp the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of the love of God. And so David got a glimpse of that, that is what our quest is, that we would every day begin to understand more of who God is and what he has done. And that we want to be like God's son, Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. He was God who came 
He came to uh, be, be God's presence and do the, fa- the will of the Father while he was here with us. One thing that I would say that I missed before I got on to that point, in Psalm 139, these words are good words for us as we are seeking the kingdom of God and, the, and his sovereignty every day is to pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see or know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We, like David, need to ask for God's mercy, for his help, and for his kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The kingdom is God, his sovereignty in my heart, in my life, and in yours. And seeking that sovereignty, seeking his will to be done in my life is the most important part of this quest. But a second part that is really important is also living righteously. Being in right relationship to God and being in right relationship with one another. I have to say I'm sorry to Juanita once in a while. Maybe more often than I want to admit. Because I've not been as thoughtful or as kind or as patient or gentle as I need to be. What popped into my mind was when we were moving here and uh, Juanita was packing some boxes and I came over as she was packing those boxes and uh, I said, uh, Juanita, I've told you to put the heavy stuff on the bottom and uh, our friend Sherry was there and she said, Gary, You know, if you would just say that a little differently. Precious, you know that maybe it would be more helpful to put the heavy boots on the bottom of the box and the other kinds of shoes on top or whatever else was in the box. So, point is, I'm constantly learning to say I'm sorry learning to be gentle. The fruit of the Spirit, God in Christ has given us every good thing, all that we need. And there is fruit there for us. Love, joy, peace. Those things are who God is. But we receive them from him. But I think particularly as we move on to patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, working those things out in our lives as we're living them out, that's part of the quest because that affects our relationship with God. Not being in such 
a rush to get off to do this or that particular responsibility that we do not have the time to sit down and be still and know God, to read his word, to listen to it, to listen to devotionals, writings, taking time to meditate upon those things and thinking about who God is, thinking about what he has done. And as we do that on a regular basis, his spirit can work in our spirits to change us, to make us different in who we are. I had a, well, I had red hair, and I had red, red-headed temper. <laughs> and it came through in a lot of different ways. So one of the ways in which I needed to seek God's help and then incorporate that in my heart and life was to begin to uh, learn how to cope with things, cope with anger, cope with disappointments, and recognize how unimportant most of it was. Certainly, nearly, not nearly as important as my relationships with people. But sometimes it comes out in our conversations with children or grandchildren. We just speak right off the top of our head. But as we take time daily, you know, it's a process. It doesn't all happen at once. We can make a commitment. We can know that we have been sanctified fully by the Holy Spirit and his work because his word says so. He's faithful, and he will do it. That's what the word says. But yet, working that out on a daily basis over the process of our lives takes time. I am a more mature man. My head has white hair on it. I'm feeling the aches in my bones. That has taken time. Well, in the spiritual journey, it also takes time to mature. One of the greatest things that needs to mature is the conviction. God can do anything. God is all-powerful. God does love me, here regardless of what I do or think. It's hard for me to compute because in my lifetime, that wasn't the way it was when I was a kid and adults responding to me, or as I grew into adulthood, began to respond to other people. But God has been teaching. God's been changing. Changing my relationships. When I was your pastor, the pastor here, sometimes I just worked too much didn't have enough time for my wife. I love to work with my hands. I love to help uh, Brother Cornell, bless his memory. He worked so hard on these grounds. I'm grateful for him and Dick who was over here working with him. But I remember there were some trees. I didn't check to see if they've ever grown back in, but I trimmed them good <laughs> out around the church. 
And sometimes it's easy for me to get caught up in doing things rather than being a good husband. Maybe some of you guys can relate to that. All of us have different things that uh, tempt us, that draw us away from really important relationships to our children, to our parents, to our spouses, to our friends, and more importantly, to God. Because it's our relationship with, to God and my time with him that affects my relationship with my wife and everybody else. So God is teaching me how to live righteously as his sovereignty is acknowledged in my life, accepted and worked out in my life. And I'm thankful for it. And that's, I trust, what we want to do as we're on this quest with the full knowledge that as we do that and relationships are worked out in right patterns according to his word, God's gonna provide for our needs. That's his promise. Well, here's uh, the bottom line. The selfish, sinful nature we are born with needs to die. Die daily. We need to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses, and follow Jesus who said, not my will be done, but your will be done, Father. That's the kind of prayer that should be on our lips in this quest. When our quest is God's kingdom, not my will, but your will be done, and we are living righteously in right relationships, our hearts are being changed constantly. There's a song that my daughter uh, told me about. It's entitled Different, and uh, it's gonna be played in just a moment, but I wanna read you these words. He writes, I don't want to hear anymore. Teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision that you could move this heart to be set apart. I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror, and I don't want to trade your plans for something familiar. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different. So come and be different in me. That won't happen unless I want it to happen, seek it to happen. And I don't want to spend my life stuck in a pattern and I don't want to gain this world but lose what matters. And so I'm giving up everything because I want to be different. I want to be changed till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see and there's something different so come and be different in me.
I know that I am far from perfect, but through the cross still says, I'm worth it. You say, I'm worth it. So take this beating in my heart and come and finish what you started. When you see me, let them see you because I just want to be different. I want to be different. I want to be changed till all of me is gone and all that remains is the fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different. So come and be different. I just want to be different. I So come and be different in me. Let's, uh, I think there's going to be words that will come up too. So let's listen together. Stand up together. Father, we want to be different. And may that passion grow in our hearts to become more like Jesus. We need your help. We need to cooperate with you and your spirit as you minister to us daily through your word, through our minds and hearts, and in prayer. God, may your grace and peace be upon your people as we disperse from this place and go into the world as testimonies of your grace and peace. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.